Friends, there's a lot to report on what's happening at the front lines of faith. Having just returned from Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine, we've seen firsthand how the Church is stepping up in amazing ways to serve and save those being driven out of Ukraine by Putin's war. These pastors, congregations, and volunteers have put themselves on the line for the gospel and for their fellow man. We need to support them. The interview you'll hear today is one of those amazing servants. She's a church planning coach, humanitarian relief organizer, a media professional, and mom. And she does all of that now from the center of the conflict in Kiev, Ukraine. Her insight and discernment are obvious, and you'll hear why today. These days, hero and saint mean pretty much the same thing, at least when we're talking about the kingdom of God in Ukraine. As we discuss the situation today, you'll hear plenty of things you should pray for, and I'll strongly encourage you to do it. And please give generously today to help their work through our Serve Ukraine project. We need you to step up right away. And now, to the program. Today on Compassion Radio. So they're trying, I mean, the Russians are not making progress on the ground. They basically stopped. But they're trying to submit us by sowing terror of the bombings, right? They're trying to shower death on the civilian population, hoping that our government will agree to surrender and agree to Russian demands. Thanks for joining us today. What would you do if the world melted down all around you? Pray? Run? Panic? Blame God? Well, while all four of those might be natural responses, they don't all fit together. And only two, really, are proven effective. But if you're a leader in Ukraine right now, running is not really an option. And that's the case with today's guest. No, I'm not talking about a young man of fighting age or a politician. I'm talking about a mother and a new grandmother. What business does she have staying put in a war zone? Well, you'll find out today and tomorrow on Compassion Radio. But first, this. Did you give us freedom so we could do whatever we want? Did you shed your blood so we could abuse your grace for us? Is our liberty meant to be?
working on Compassion Radio today is another eyewitness to what's happening on the front lines of faith. And Maya Mikaluk, you are my first guest from inside Kiev in a while. So welcome aboard to Compassion Radio. Thank you. Thank you, Bram. You have a number of ministries you're active with that are international in scope, and you are training many Christian leaders there across the country. So you have your fingers in many parts of the country. Can you tell me more about the organizations that you represent and are investing your time in right now? Well, I am a director of Equipping with Hegia International. It's an international training ministry for Christian leaders around the world. Um, and I'm also involved in a church planting ministry called International Partnerships in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And as a result of this ministry, we have a whole network of churches uh, all around the country. um, And all these churches pretty much in the places that are affected by war right now. And, of course, you're at the very heart of that war. And it seems like from the way the news has represented it that Kiev is under siege. But I think it's probably because we see that they have most of the reporters there. We are not getting many reports at all across the country in the cities that really, truly are completely locked down now. Like Mariupol has, I guess, no power left to even communicate with. So you are kind of almost in a wait-see. There's been bombs that have been dropped on your city, but for the most part, it hasn't all hit yet. Can you give me an example of what's happening for you right now and how it compares with what you're hearing from your people across the country? Well, the situation is different in different cities, though, from the beginning of the war, February 24th at 5 o'clock in the morning, pretty much all major cities of Ukraine were bombed. All of us uh, woke up from bombing, shaken out of our beds. We were uh, sort of expecting that the war will start any minute. Uh, The the days and weeks leading to that uh, were showing that the attack was imminent. You know, embassies removed themselves from Ukraine, but it still came as a shock. Um, the situation in different cities, uh, Mariupol is probably the only one that is under complete siege. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, like right now they're surrounded by Russian troops. They're being bombed mercilessly. Pretty much 100% of the buildings in Mariupol are destroyed and civilians are not given opportunity to evacuate. Every time we agree with Russians about the humanitarian corridor to take people out, a few people would leave and then they'll start shooting. So some people were killed in those corridors. Oh. And still majority of the cities there, no electricity, no water, no heat. We still had, up until just recently, a few days ago, uh, we had minus 9 centigrade temperatures. Right. So you can imagine the the conditions people are surviving are just horrible. Other places like Chernigiv, Sumy, and Kharkiv uh, have been under great bombings as well, but they are not under complete siege. People are still able to evacuate, uh, especially from Kharkiv. Kharkiv, the second biggest city in Ukraine, it was bombed extensively, and a lot of people left right when big bombings started. Chernigiv is a little harder to evacuate from, but still people are able to evacuate, and we are helping to take in humanitarian aid inside of Chernigiv. Just recently, maybe a few days ago, we we were making a connection between some Christians in Lviv and Christians in Chernigiv um, to deliver humanitarian aid and to distribute it in Chernigiv. Kiev is not under complete siege. We are surrounded on two sides by Russians. They would love to take us under siege. Of course, this is the heart of the country. Um, basically, you know, if they take over... Kiev, um, 
well, I don't want to say the war will be over. The war will continue uh, still, but it will be a big blow. So we, we do feel that Kiev is uh, one of the most defended cities right now. And we are under bombings every day. There are like 10, 15 air raids a day. Uh, usually when the air raid is happening, there is going to be a rocket somewhere heading for the city. Sometimes it's intercepted. It's shot in the air, and then the debris also bring the destruction on the ground. That's how our part of the city where we live, we have several buildings that were damaged by the rockets that were shot in the air. Is it safe to ask what part of the city you're in right now, or is that to be kept secret? I would rather not be very specific, but it's eastern part of Kiev, residential area. Some of the parts of the city were hit directly, like I think yesterday, Shopping center was just wiped off the earth. I saw the ashes of that on the news. Yeah, that's direct hit by the rocket. So they're trying. I mean, the Russians are not making progress on the ground. They basically stopped and they cannot make progress. But they're trying to submit us by sowing terror of the bombings, right? They're trying just to shower death on the civilian population, hoping that our government will agree to surrender and agree to Russian demand. So I would say Kiev is not in as bad situation as some other places, though the suburbs of Kiev have suffered significantly. People who were living there, some of them spent days in their basements and had to walk under the bullets and, and shells to the safety. My wife and I spent some time at UETS up there in Erpin and Buka, so we have some familiarity with those suburbs. They seemed like a very bucolic area back then. And, of course, it's not that very far outside of the city center. I know it's been pretty much wiped out at this point. When you talk to people around the country, how often are they able to reach out to you? And what are they asking for from you when they call? And how are you praying for them? Well, we are pretty much daily in touch with our churches in different cities. And, again, depending on the situations, like, for example, Avdeevka is right on the front lines in eastern Ukraine. And that city under ongoing bombing all the time, their infrastructure is damaged often. They're left without water, without heat, then it gets repaired, and then it gets hit again. So we are trying to uh, send some food and supplies to them, but it's it's really difficult to get to Avdeevka. In Kharkiv, we have a church there that is serving right now as a shelter for those who lost their homes. Okay. We're feeding people, we're sheltering them there, and we're helping them to get on the trains to, to move to the West. That's the work in Kharkiv. In Uman, Cherkasy, Lviv, they became kind of the transition points for refugees. People are passing through those cities. They're spending maybe a night or two or three, again, in churches. Yeah, I was asked about that. When they do the transition, where they actually have to leave one train or a bus stops there and the roads are out, when they find their way to a church, how do the churches take care of them and how quickly do they end up moving forward? Well, it all depends on the opportunities and what is available, right? Sometimes they have to be moved by cars. Then it, it depends when we can get some some of the vans going to take people to the West. Um, sometimes people spend two, three nights in a church. Everybody wants to keep moving West, though right. it's not a guarantee of safety. You probably have seen that Lviv yeah. has been bombed now more than once. 
Our church in Lviv is close to one of the infrastructural places that Russians are targeting, so we haven't been able to use that church, basically, because something was hit close to that. Again, I won't mention what it is, but... Basically, we've been advised not to use that facility right now. The army is using it, and we are renting another place downtown so the church could continue serving the refugees. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. If you want to avoid worry and be part of the solution now, then give us a call today, please. And now back to our conversation. Basically, we've been advised not to use that facility right now. The army is using it. And we are renting another place downtown so the church could continue serving the refugees. So in every place like Kiev, we are trying to help people. It's not as bad in Kiev, like, for example, in Avdeevka, but still people are beginning to feel, you know, the economic pressure. Like if you have a baby, you have to buy expensive things like baby formula, diapers, things like that. So we're trying to to help people who are the most vulnerable, elderly and families with small children. In some other places, it's different. So basically, everywhere except maybe Avdeevka, we're still able to buy things in the stores. Um, So if people are looking to help, definitely you don't need to send anything because shipping is expensive and unreliable. Indeed, It's easier just to, to get funds over so we could buy things here. And as for prayer, I mean, prayer for protection, prayer for God's, you know, supernatural cover of our skies. We have been appealing to the world to close our skies for almost four weeks now, right? Because the the greatest danger falls from the skies in form of bombs and rockets. And that's not happening. The world is not going to do that. But we pray that God would close the skies over Ukraine and protect uh, our people, believers, non-believers. And actually, I think there are no non-believers right now in Ukraine. On some level, I'm sure that's very true. Well, there are no atheists in the trenches. So they say. I'm not saying that everybody became a Christian and knows Christ and has relationship with Christ, but everybody's crying out to God for justice, for Mm. protection, for help. Like every time we go out for shopping now, we see billboards, more and more billboards with Bible verses on them. I've Uh, seen those too. Many of those are from Psalms asking God for protection and justice. So we do believe that Ukraine will come through this suffering, a renewed nation, and we pray that there will be a revival out of this. Well, the revival obviously happens in the trenches, as you said. I think, too, that times like this were made for the Psalms of David, Mm -hmm. where he found himself in many straits and didn't just fight his way out. He didn't move until he knew the covering was on him. There's something about the power of the desperation in those psalms that comes to life when there is real desperation around us. 
So yes, I think we ought to be praying and reading those psalms more as we think about how to pray for especially the believers in Ukraine and, of course, all the other innocents that are being assaulted, no matter what their religious background is. They're caught in the crossfires. There's nothing right or just about this. So you are a spiritual leader and mentor, and you're coordinating all this relief what do you make of this conflict? I mean, you've been watching this ramp up for years. And our, probably our mutual friend, Oleg Magadich, and the other folks from UETS that we have loved and known for many years mm-hmm. have said, this is nothing new to you. You've been dealing with this reality since the time that Crimea was invaded. It's been an ongoing, long-simmering war, and now it's a full frontal war. So this is nothing new. But it is a heart-wrenching change because everybody is now exposed to it. You can't run from it anymore. It's a spiritual battle. I see that from the outside. But in saying that, I'm afraid I'm being a bit flippant about it because I'm not the one in danger. What do you make of this? What is the spiritual battle you see happening right now over the heart and soul of your country and of the world? Well, I think we can see there is a, how to say, there is a battle or maybe awakening to the values overall in the world. Okay. If you look at the beginning of the war back eight years ago when Russia started this aggression against Ukraine, Obviously, it was clear for everybody that Putin was after restoring the Soviet Union, after restoring the control, at least political control, Mm -hmm. over the former Soviet Union countries. But the countries around us, the civilized world, said, this is very bad, we're very concerned, this shouldn't be happening, Putin stop. But nothing was done to stop him, Mm -hmm. not even, you know, significant sanctions that we're seeing right now. So basically, the world showed at the time that the greatest value is business. The greatest value is physical comfort. And, you know, okay, somebody is suffering somewhere. But I can say, you know, like Oleg Magdic, from the beginning of the war, we were taking humanitarian aid to the eastern Ukraine that was affected eight years ago. And we were coming back to Kiev and... It was always a shock to come from that area to Kiev, where people went to coffee shops, Mm -hmm. cinemas, concerts, and, you know, life went on because it was far out there. It was a shock then, uh, probably like right now, refugees come to European countries and they see the same thing. So when suffering is far away from you, you tend to fall for wrong values. You tend Mm, to fall for comfort for what is secure, what is close to you. And you don't realize that, um, you know, if you allow evil to prosper, if you allow evil to go without consequences, it's not going to go away and it's not going to stop. It's going to advance. It is a hungry monster for sure. Yes. And that's what we're seeing in Ukraine right now. It's advancing. And if it's allowed to eat up Ukraine, it will go on. And for sure, there is a spiritual dynamics to this. I mean, even if you look at the atrocities that are happening, it's like some possession. Like, what are people doing? Two months ago, they kept talking about brotherly nations. Mm -hmm. And now they come and we hear like in those suburbs, like European Bucha that you mentioned, um, some of the civilians who got out of there, they're talking about rape, looting. Mm violence, torture. I mean, this is this is inhumane. There is no human explanation to that. It's just demonic what, what is being done. And, you know, pilots who are dropping bombs on the shelters that have, in big letters, words, children, and they're bombing those places. How can 
what is in the heart and in the mind of that pilot who dropped that bomb? Is he human? Is it a human yeah. who is doing it? Yeah, I wonder how much it is about the uh, terrorism against their own families. Yeah. The fear of people that you say you love being hurt because you don't fulfill your duty to a state that demands it. Totalitarianism is what it is. It is all-encompassing. That's what total means. And mm -hmm. I think Russia has definitely gotten to that point. But it's not something that history tells us is unique to any particular country. It is, as you say, right at the doorstep. If we allow it to continue, it is something that will continue, period. And if we look at this as a spiritual battle, and I'm speaking completely on, on the outside looking in, there are many of us who can see that the spiritual dimension of this is such that there but for the grace of God go we. There's no reason why America and the West shouldn't fall for these things, except that we stand up to them. But the standing up is about civil duty, it's about common human decency, but it's also about appealing to a God and walking in the way of a God of peace. And I've seen that in your churches. I mean, obviously, Ukraine has become a peaceable nation. And if we look back even 30, 40 years for you being part of the Soviet Union, the West would have seen you as nothing but a bunch more of those Russians. You have stepped out of that and chosen a different path, but it was a repentance path. Your country, your whole nation, decided to turn away from violence and totalitarianism, and that's why you're paying the price now. We can see that. I don't have great answers for you, and I wish our governments could stand up with you in a way that was very effective would stop the suffering now, but it doesn't seem to be happening yet. You, as an independent citizen, a loyal and faithful and patriotic citizen of Ukraine, what would you tell us in the West to be aware of and to be praying for, for all of us? Well, I think um, a few things. First of all, don't ever let your leader go unchecked mm -hmm. uh, like Russia did for so many years. And what we are watching right now in Putin, it's a madman that was homegrown in 23 years in power, and he thinks that he's God, right? He yeah. thinks that he's all-powerful, and he's totally delusional. But it comes with the fact that he has been unchecked for so many years. So I, I think it's important lesson for everybody, for every nation. Don't let the comforts... And, you know, the reason Russians allowed Putin to go so long, because they were comfortable economically, because mm, it just yeah. it was convenient. The economy was doing well. Their refrigerators were full. Now they're not so uh, so well. Refrigerators are not so full, so they will be rambling. And they'll probably eventually get rid of him, but not because they are loving freedom, but because they became uncomfortable. So mm. that that's one thing. Another, I would say, don't try to pacify the monster. If you listen to Putin, if you listen to claims he's making and you know people around him are making, he is not after Ukraine only. Mm. He will go as far as the world will allow him. We'll hear more from Maya Mikaluk on tomorrow's program, and I promise you'll want to hear what she has to say about the spiritual battle for Ukraine. Plan to join us then.
Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.